Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe, recording on, what is today? Tuesday, March the 21st, oh, a little before 9 a.m. Central Time. Kind of getting into a slower part of the year, uh, but not a slow part of the year, so to speak. Um, wrestling and men's basketball is behind us. Uh, the Hawkeye wrestling team finishing second in Tulsa last week at the NCAAs. Uh, obviously, the uh, story, the major story from that was Spencer Lee losing. Uh, I don't think any of us uh, even entertained the possibility that that may happen, and that's probably a little bit on us, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, especially when you look at the uh, – what's happening in the men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments. Uh, Real Woods, second place at 141. Uh, nice first season for him at Iowa. Um, I think Iowa had six All-Americans, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, second place by a lot, uh, pretty far behind Penn State, which was, again, dominant and is the dominant wrestling program in the country. Uh, the Hawkeye men. Uh, knocked out in the first round uh, against Auburn down uh, in Birmingham on Thursday, Thursday night. So uh, season is over for them as well. Uh, the end of, uh, I would say, admirable careers from Connor McCaffrey and Philip Rebracha, uh, two really um, respected players, I would say, for this program and turn the page lost uh you know Luca and Joe Wieskamp a couple years ago uh Bohannon and Keegan last year uh and now Connor and Philip Robracha and I fully expect to see Chris Murray enter his name into the NBA draft I could be dead wrong on that but he's pretty much a consensus uh, middle first round pick, and really there's no need to come back if you're that. That's a guaranteed contract. Uh, he's a little older. Um, having done a year in prep school and three years at Iowa, uh, it is time for him to spread his wings and head to the NBA. 
and then we have the Hawkeye women who are flying high, avoided the fate from last year uh, when losing at home to a 10th-seeded Creighton team, uh, preventing it from going to the Sweet 16. Beat Georgia the other day, got a little hairy there in the fourth quarter, but Iowa was able to pull it out and uh, moves on to play Colorado uh, Friday night in Seattle. Uh, that is a 6.30 game. I believe it is on ESPN, the regular, uh, but I'm not positive on that. Check your local listings, <laughs> as they say. So, uh, And things opened up for the Iowa women as well. Um, upsets galore in their uh, region. And it leaves Iowa with a six seed in Colorado in the Sweet 16. And then the other game uh, is Old Miss, which is an eight seed uh, and fifth seeded. Uh, I feel bad now. I'm going to leave my bracket hanging. Sorry about that. I don't commit these things to memory. Let's see here. Um, Louisville. So some dangerous teams there. Louisville and Old Miss may be a little bit underseeded. Uh, and Colorado saw them last night, watched a little bit of that game against Duke. They seem a little underseeded too. So it is not a cakewalk, but Iowa uh, is heavily favored now uh, to win that region and get to uh, the final four. I believe I saw uh, one book had Iowa at minus 150 to win the region. That's a pretty heavy favorite when uh, – you get to this point of the the tournament. So um, that's pretty much your update there. Uh, The Iowa baseball team is still rolling along. Spring football has started today. You had pro day yesterday for uh, the NFL hopefuls in the Hawkeye football program. So plenty of things going on, but it does kind of slow down a little bit now as we uh, have hit spring and uh, we'll see now what uh, the Iowa program's uh, accomplish and uh, look like through this off season with NIL and transfer portal and all that other thing, all those other things, I think we're going to see some, uh, some unexpected or just changes or additions and subtractions that we don't know yet. So buckle up for that. Let's hop in here before we do that. Uh Let's see here. Yeah, let's do a little, let's do a read. Want to let folks know that support for this podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org, SUI.org, Systems Unlimited. We thank them for their support and the great work that they do in our community. Let's hop into some of your questions here uh, and comments. This one is from March 16th, which was, uh, I believe this was uh, when Iowa played, right? Thursday night. Um, This is Jesse Lucier uh, at Jesse underscore Lucier underscore on Twitter. Uh, Do you remember when Iowa was down 20 against IU and it looked like an NIT year? I do. Do you think fans would be more upset if that continued and we didn't make the tourney or more upset set with how it's actually gone? Made it, but another first round exit. Um, all right. Jesse's got another one uh, from Friday, but um, I think an NIT season this year with Chris uh, and the experience and the talent on this roster would have been uh 
much more of a gut punch than losing in the first round of the tournament. Um, I think, and we've talked about it, I talk about it on the hot spot with Scott Doctor, which we record on Thursday mornings. The the what you need to kind of guard against here is apathy, is like doing the same thing over and over, but you also want to guard against uh, unrealistic expectations. And I think that's going to be uh, maybe what the next question is here from Emily. Uh, um, that, and and I wrote a column about this last week. I'm not telling people to be careful what they wish for, because I think that is kind of a lazy argument. And it's also, um, you're unable to prove that, right? Unless you make a change, uh, you know, there's, you know, a faction, I think, of the fan base that's worried that when Kirk Ferentz retires, that the program is going to fall off. But there's no saying that his successor won't do better. There's a lot of resources in this football program and a lot of really good coaches out there. Um, I mean, when Kirk took over, people were not happy. They wanted Bob Stoops. Um, and who knows how that would have worked out. Uh, you just don't know. A lot of it is about fit. Um, you know, there were people excited about the Todd Licklider hire. That obviously didn't work out. There were a ton of people, you know, thrilled that Steve Alford replaced Tom Davis. That didn't work out. Um, you know, I don't think there were high expectations for Fran McCaffrey coming in from Siena. Um, I think it was hard to find somebody to fill that job at the time. Uh, and, Barta lucked out getting Fran, uh, who's put together a very respectable program. Again, four years in a row in the NCAA tournament would have been five, five had it not been for COVID. Uh, five is the most in a row in program history. Um, so some context is important there. Um, but yeah, I get it. I mean, people want to see this team play on the second weekend and it hasn't done that since 1999. That's a long time. Coffee sip. And I get it. I completely get the frustration. But you don't want apathy to set in. But you also don't want to do something stupid. You don't want to, you know, make a change for change's sake. Um, and what I wrote last week is I I don't see how you replace Fran McCaffrey after, you know, four NCAA tournaments in a row. Would have been five again if not for COVID. I think that's an important um, distinction there because – I think that team was pretty good that year. So um, who knows? I mean, every chance you get into the tournament is another chance to break that drought. And, you know, we see it. I talk, talked about it a few minutes ago. The women caught some breaks here. Not that they didn't make breaks of their own. They still had to win their first two games, get to the Sweet 16, Sweet 16 which other teams did not do that were seeded highly. Um, two number ones going out you know, already in Stanford and Indiana. So um, you can't take that for granted, but sometimes you can catch some breaks too and maybe get a team that has upset a team that maybe you don't match up well against. So, and I think some of that reverse has happened with Iowa. That Oregon matchup was not a good matchup for Iowa, um, but Iowa hasn't made its own breaks either. Iowa men, that is. So, um I think people would have been more disappointed in an NIT team this year to answer your question, Jesse, but I think people are still disappointed in 
the Sweet 16 drought continuing. Uh, and again, caution here is the ap- you know apathy for a program um, not being satisfied with an NCAA tournament bid. Um, but you know, as I wrote and I've said over and over again, the expectation is for each individual. What are your expectations? For this program. And that's going to lead me into Emily's question. And Emily, I, again, uh, horrible with names and I know I'll mess up your last name. So I'm going to go with at Emily Hawk 99 on Twitter. Uh, what should be the ceiling for Iowa men's basketball? I think lots of Hawk fans need consoling right now. Uh, this was from St. Patrick's day on Friday, um, sent to me by Emily, uh, after the loss by the men, I don't know what a ceiling is here. That's a great question. And I wrote that in my column last week too. I don't think we know. And I know you're asking me for my opinion. Um, I think this might be it. And it's not a bad ceiling to have a team that consistently makes the NCAA tournament is pretty good. Um, you're looking around the country. Uh, just look in the big 10. Um, what programs are you envious of? Right now, um, Michigan State, I mean, that's fair. Michigan State back in the Sweet 16 again. That's their expectation is to make that second weekend. And Michigan State does it quite often, but sometimes gets upset as well. Um, Illinois hasn't had a great run, um, you know, since the Bill Self, Bruce Weber uh, changeover. And then they got rid of Bruce Weber, and it has not been good since then. And I wrote this in my column, too. Um, You know, Ohio State doesn't make the tournament this year. Wisconsin doesn't make the tournament this year. Um, What, Maryland won a game, I think, right? I think Maryland may have won a game. Uh, Rutgers didn't make the tournament this year. Uh, Nebraska has been in, you know, in the gutter for years in basketball. Uh, got rid of Tim Miles, thought Fred Hoiberg would be the answer. He hasn't been. Maybe that changes. Um, so if you just look at it in that context of around the league, um, who would you trade places with right now? I'm not sure that you could come up with half the league, could you? Maybe not even that. I would say Michigan State, Michigan maybe, Indiana maybe, Um you know, but those are pretty high level programs and pretty high level athletic departments. So, um, I think this might be the ceiling for Iowa men's basketball, but I'm not asking people to settle either. I'm not saying there isn't somebody out there who could take this program and, and be a consistent, turn it into what Bo Ryan had at Wisconsin. I mean, I, I don't see that Wisconsin has many more resources than Iowa has other than. They do have Milwaukee. They do have better in-state talent than Iowa does. Most, you know, over a a larger sample size. But Iowa has comparable talent to Wisconsin. But Minnesota's struggled. I mean, you go through uh, the different teams throughout this league, and I think Iowa and Fran shape up pretty well. Um, So, yeah, and again, Emily, it's a matter of – your personal, each fan's expectation. And then collectively, that's usually, you can usually gauge, you know, the temperature of a fan base when it comes to a coach. Um, 
that's to me the best way to do it. And then you have the dynamic of, um, you know, the money people, the the big boosters, the the people that donate. They could want to change that could foster change as well. But it's usually lower attendance. And just that apathy that sets in when it's not cut and dry, we need to make a coaching change. Um, but, you know, Iowa has a tendency for its coaches to coach for a long time. And, uh, you know, that's that's both a blessing. Uh, I do a lot of recruiting stories and, you know, a lot of families and recruits love the stability uh, knowing that the coach is likely going to be there for their duration of their college career. But then there are others that don't like that stability in terms of the fan base. So I don't know, or get tired of it or there's apathy that moves in. I really don't know. And I don't think you can say one way or the other what the ceiling is on this team, Emily, or this program, but uh, it could be a lot worse. Could it be better? Yeah, Sure. Definitely could be, but it also could be worse and potentially a lot worse. Uh, you could be where Minnesota is right now. But, you know, you saw what happened with Penn State. Micah Shrewsbury seems like a good hire. Can they keep him? And what can he do there? He got him to the tournament this year. Is that it? I mean, are they, you know, are they consi- do they get to the point where Iowa is, where they can consistently make it to the NCAA tournament? Is that good enough for Penn State, or do they get tired of that eventually if there's no Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four run? So it's complicated, and um, that's kind of my, my answer to that. Um, Emily follows up on Friday. Do you have any guesses who might transfer for the men and women's basketball teams this day and age? I anticipate there will be movement in the rosters. I had heard some rumblings about Bowen. Thanks. Yeah, I would caution um, not that rumors or rumblings don't end up being true sometimes, but I think they have a tendency to take on a life of their own. You'd have one, two people talking about, you know, one guy leaving and then it kind of mushrooms into uh, speculation and rumors and things like that. I would just let it play out. Um, I'm not, I, you never know who's going to leave. Maybe this is just a, I, this, please do not say, this is just a complete hypothetical. What if Aaron Euless decides he wants to go somewhere and you're Bowen? Do you stay at that point? Or do you feel like you've made enough progress this year to take minutes away from Aaron Euless next year? You know, it's a process, and you're right, Emily. There, the movement is crazy right now, and uh, you know, there's a lot of it. And uh, you know, the transfer portal has people spinning. Um, but I would anticipate movement in both programs, both outgoing and incoming. I, I hesitate to speculate on that because I don't think that's fair to the student athletes, um, unless I have something concrete. Um, but you look at it just playing time wise, especially I would say more for the women than for the men. Um, I mean, they didn't go very deep this year at all. The women, they stuck with their core. Um, and there are a lot of women on that bench that don't see many minutes at all. So I think there's going to be a lot of evaluation there because you have kids coming in as freshmen too. There's a potential for the Iowa women to hit a transfer portal for 
uh, a big player to take over for uh, for Monica leaving. Um, you know, so it, it, I think there's going to be change and movement this offseason in both programs. I'm just not – I don't feel comfortable speculating on who that that may or may not be. I think the best way to handle this and the way I handle it and or the way I view it or the way I try to analyze it is just look and say, okay, what is this What is this individual player's path to playing time? Um can that player see a path to playing time within the, within the next year, two years, depending on the age? If not, then it might be appropriate to move to a place where uh, there's an easier path to playing time. But then there are kids that just like want to be a part of the program and are very important components to that program for the way they practice. They're invested. They practice their asses off. They help the people that do play get better. And there are still kids that do that. Um, and, you know, Devonte Young for the football team, Dallas Craddock for the football team. You think about guys like that. Um, you know, even guys uh, and, and gals from the basketball programs and beyond at Iowa put in their time, but want to be here. So yeah, it's, uh, um, it's an inexact science and NIL plays into it too. I mean, you can have some guys that may get money dangled in front of them with the playing time, you know, a promise of playing time elsewhere. So all things to keep an eye on, but a fair question, Emily, I just not one that I like to speculate on who may stay and may go i think if you look the best way to do it is somebody who's not playing and maybe doesn't have a path to playing time but that doesn't always mean that that's the only person that's leaving it could be somebody who gets a lot of playing time but just isn't satisfied or wants to make a change so there you go all right let's take a break here and we'll jump back in when we get back we got a couple here more here from jesse lucier we'll hit on the other side of this break hang in there we'll be back hi i'm jim street owner of streets maintenance as a licensed insured and bonded master plumber i specialize in all plumbing repairs including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements for more information about my business i'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and facebook or give me a call at 400-4483 oriza asian cuisine and bar is celebrating its fifth year anniversary enjoy chinese vietnamese thai and korean all combined into one menu visit Five Sturgis Corner Drive next to Staples in Iowa City. Open 11 to 10 every day, 365 days a year, or visit online at arisaic.com. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you to our sponsors. We appreciate them giving us so we can give to you for free. And uh, we appreciate all the sponsors and you guys for listening and you folks for sending in questions. Uh, a couple more from Jesse Lucier here. These are from Friday. Uh, St. Patrick's Day as well. H, besides Wisco, Purdue, and MSU, if you look at the last decade for every Big Ten team, it hasn't been too exciting. So I don't want to fire Fran for going to five straight tournaments, but I am I crazy for thinking basketball is only fun for the Blue Bloods? It feels that way. Yeah, again, Jesse, this comes down to expectations and what, you know, that Michigan State comeback this year was super exciting. I mean, it made national headlines. That was a fun time to be an Iowa men's basketball fan. 
Um, but if that's just fading away from your memories and you're stuck on not getting to the sweet 16, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being stuck on not getting to the sweet 16 since 1999. Um, but it's all about, and I've, done better at this through my through my life not to get philosophical here but as a sports fan i try to enjoy the highs um the the you know the moments that excuse me i think i may sneeze i don't have a sneeze or cough button on this thingy i guess i could pause it but it went away for now uh you'll know if i have to sneeze um but yeah i mean it's you know do you enjoy those most say um, and it's different for the Iowa women because I think the expectations are higher because it's a, you know it started the season as a top five team it finished the regular season number two in the country in the AP different levels but the way they beat Indiana uh, if they don't go on and win the Big Ten tournament say they lose to Indiana in the Big Ten tournament should that wipe away that shot by Caitlin to beat Indiana? Um, I don't think so. I think you need to appreciate every positive moment and every exciting moment and every thrilling conclusion. Um, but that's just me. If, if somebody doesn't, you know, if it's the bottom line, if it's, you know, it, you can go through the years in football, you can go through the years in basketball, wrestling, whatever the case may be, uh, and try to think about all the fun times or you can focus on how it finished. And for the most part, it doesn't finish well for everybody. Um, you know, maybe you're okay losing in the great elite eight or final four, uh, or, uh, in the Rose bowl. Um, you think about that 2015 Iowa football team that went undefeated, made it, you know, within a hair of winning the big 10 and going to the playoff, uh, but didn't, uh, lost to Michigan state in a heartbreaker, then got throttled by Stanford that tends to be where the the memory is that that tends to be where people go is how it finished but i try to remember some of the good times too for the teams that i root for um but i'm not as big a fanatic as i used to be i was crazy when i was a kid one of those people that would yell and it would change my mood when teams would lose now i'm very much better at just moving on and uh not that i am advocating that uh i get the passion and i get the you know, investment as fans. And uh, again, it's uh, it's up to each individual. Um, people may say that's a cop-out, but um, it's up to each individual what their expectations should be. I'm not one who's called for coaches' jobs. Uh, I haven't done that in the past. I know there's probably people listening. Ah, you called for Kirk Ferentz to be fired in 2020. No, I did not. Um, that is not something I feel overly comfortable with doing uh, because it's not my job. And I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like I'm well-versed enough to know whether uh, somebody should be removed from their job. I mean, sometimes it's obvious. The Todd, Todd Licklider one, that was obvious. Players were starting to rebel. Um, there could have been transfers that happened there. That was just not a good scene. That's the obvious one. It's the ones that where there's a little more gray area. It's a little cloudy to figure out, you know, what should happen. Um, from a football perspective, a win and loss perspective, Kirk Ferentz should be the Iowa football coach. If we want to get into the racial bias and those things, that's a different discussion. And that, again, 
that is up to the players. That is up to the people that play for him. That is up to the alumni. I think those people should be more involved in, you know, and again, there's going to be bias there as well. You don't want your see your, the guy you played for, the woman you played for get fired, but um, they have a more intimate knowledge of what's going on in that program. I got kind of off on a tangent there, but I'm, yeah. Um, 10 years from now, which of these moments will be the most memorable from this year's men's team? Here we go. Jesse Lucier at Jesse underscore Lucier underscore. The Michigan State comeback, the Eastern Illinois loss, the Orange Crush tickets or other. To me, it's the Michigan State comeback. Um, that's one for the ages. And I hope people remember that from this season. Uh, the Eastern Illinois loss, yeah, shit like that happens. You know, I think you just, you know, you move on. I mean, I, Iowa women's basketballs, you know, loses games it shouldn't lose. Uh, football loses games it shouldn't lose, uh, at least on paper. Uh, that's why they play the games. Another cliche there. But for me, the, for me, it would probably go Michigan State, uh, the Orange Crush tickets, and then Eastern Illinois. Um, but I understand other people having it ranked differently. All right. Some more in here. Uh, 44MLess has a couple here. Uh, 44MLess at 44MLess on Twitter. Uh, hi, Rab. I like what Fran McCaffrey has done for the Iowa program, and despite the fact that he hasn't taken the team to the Sweet 16, he's brought a winning culture to the program. With that said, what change do you think he needs to make to take it to the next level? Um, This is for me, and I haven't talked to Fran about this or – asked him what his thought would be on this. But if you remember back to John Beeline at Michigan, he was kind of, say, floundering, but maybe his program wasn't reaching its potential consistently. And he realized that he was a really good offensive coach, but he needed some help with coaching defense. And he found that. And that kind of – the Wolverines took off after that. I think – at some point, you have to realize that you can't always outscore teams and you need to be better on defense and finding more two-way players. And I think they've done that recently. I think when you look at Bowen and Ulysses and Perkins, um, the Murrays, you have Connor McCaffrey, you have guys that are two-way players, um, and that's kind of what you need. Um, and that's really, to me, that's what the change I think needs to continue to happen, um, is to get tougher on defense, become a more dominant rebounding team, but not, you know, just turn your back on offense. I think the brand of basketball that Iowa plays under Fran McCaffrey is very exciting. It's, you know, they get up and down the floor, they score points. That's exciting to watch rather than a slow-paced, pack-line, Virginia, Wisconsin style of basketball. There's a lot of, there are a lot of ways to win, and Iowa wins games with offense, but could Iowa win more games being better defensively and maybe not as proficient offensively? I think so. I think there needs to be a little bit more balance there, and if I was talking to Fran, that would be my recommendation is, and he'd probably laugh at me, but – just more and that's easier said than done too right you can only you know the the 
recruiting opportunities to bring kids to Iowa is only, you know, you're not going to out recruit most oftentimes in your own league. You're not going to out recruit Michigan, Ohio state, Michigan state, probably not Illinois. Um, I'm trying to think who else would, would fall into that category. Um, but there, you know, there's probably Maryland. There are probably maybe half of the teams where you're not going to out recruit, uh, in the conference. And so you have to, it makes it the, you know, your, your, uh, margin of error is not as great when you're not exposed to getting high end talent constantly, um, and being a developmental program. But I'd like to see maybe some kids that are locked down defenders and develop them offensively rather than getting really proficient offensive players and trying to develop them defensively. I think there was a greater mix there of players. Um, I think that would probably um, be the move that I would make, but I don't know how um, I don't, I don't know how uh, easy that would be to do or how realistic that is. So, um, but that would be my answer to your question. Less, uh, 44M less with another here. Um, I know your access to spring practice is limited. I will put, I will add very limited less, <laughs> but let's say the coaches allowed you to attend every practice. What's one thing you would look at besides offensive line play? Would it be better development, red zone offense, etc.? Yeah, I would probably say red zone offense would be w- one of them. Uh, but for me, it would be, um, you know, and I don't know how much Cade's going to be able to practice, if at all, uh, this spring. But really, uh, to get a look at, I would like to get a look at what the connection is, what the, um, you know, on-field relationship is, uh, how what the timing is like for he and his receivers. Can Iowa push the ball down the field a little bit more? Because I think that's going to be the key to this offense this year is being having a threat to throw the ball down the field uh, more consistently. Um, because if not, your teams defenses are just going to continue to stack the box and try to take the running game away and put pressure on McNamara. Um, I would probably look for that last just kind of some innovation on offense, some ways maybe to get the ball into your playmakers' hands a little bit easier uh, and allow them to make plays and be a little bit less controlling on offense as a coaching staff and allow players to make plays. I think it's just too regimented at times and too um, predictable. And that's kind of what I'd like to see this off season. And maybe they don't show that in practice, especially if I was there watching, but just to get a little bit more innovation, a little bit more modernization to this offense. That's what it needs. Now, can the, can this group execute that? You talked about the offensive line. Can the offensive line be better at allowing skill players to execute? These are all things we're going to have to wait and see. We won't know. I mean, I can look at that in practice, but I don't know if I would feel comfortable. I could I could leave the practice and feel more optimistic, but until I see it on the field, because we heard all this stuff last year in the offseason, how the offense was going to be more streamlined with Brian being the quarterback coach and how uh, you know it's going to be simplified and it's not going to be as hard for these guys to learn the offense. Uh 
it looked worse last year. So I'm not listening to any of the, you know, um, feedback. I, I mean, I shouldn't say not listening to it. I'll listen to it. But for me, the proof will be in what this team does this fall. If this team is able to take strides offensively uh, and then to keep up with what it's done defensively and on special teams, it's a very favorable schedule. I think you, it's fair to make Iowa, if not the favorite, one of the, one of the favorites to win the Big Ten West. Whether it does that or not is going to be dependent on this offense. And to me, it's it's more than one thing, right? It's, you know, I want to say a complete overhaul, but things need to be done differently. You can't just do what you're doing and say, oh, we just need to execute better. You need to put your players in a better position to be successful and have an opportunity to execute and not put them at a deficit because the defenses are, can predict what you're going to do. Let's take another break. Hear from a few more of our sponsors, and we'll be back on the other side with some more questions here to wrap up the Mailbag Podcast. Hi, this is AJ Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing: giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. Thank you to those sponsors and all of the sponsors of the podcast. Going to hop back in here for a few more. Um, Iowa Hawk Guy at Iowa Hawk Guy on Twitter has a couple for us. A hundred other teams, including a lot of comparable and lower level programs, have made the Sweet 16 since Iowa last made it in 1999. What is it that Iowa and Fran need to do to get over the hump? Is it even Fran that gets them there? I don't know if it's Fran that gets them there. Time will tell. Um, I think he deserves more of an opportunity to get them there uh, with what he's done here uh, with the program. But I know other people disagree with that and are ready to move on to each his own. You know, it's not none of us knows, really. Um, You know, none of us knows that Fran's going to be able to do it or his replacement is going to be able to do it. It's, you know, that's why – you know, the athletic directors, you look at what Gene Taylor's done at Kansas State, he's made really good hires, and Kansas State has benefited from that. That could happen here. Or you could end up, you know, like Minnesota basketball or Nebraska basketball or, you know, go down the list. Would you rather be Northwestern? I don't know. It's up to you guys, right? You guys have to come up in your mind what you're envious of, what you want to be um, in terms of what you want your program. What you what will you support, I guess, is probably the better way to put it. What gets your ass in the seat? What gets you to buy a ticket? Because they're not cheap. So 
you know, that's really what, what it comes down to. What are, what will you go cheer for? And um, in terms of not making the sweet 16, it sucks. 1999 is a long time ago. You would just think you would fall backwards into a sweet 16 at some point just by luck, but it's not that easy. And I know you, you a hundred teams have made it granted. That's, it's a lot of teams, but I wouldn't say you could say a hundred teams have had um, equal su- success to what I was had under Fran McCaffrey or Tom Davis, um, you know, and Tom Davis didn't make the sweet 16 very much. Um, and what did he make seven after raveling, you know, after those first two years of raveling player ravelings players, I think he made the NCAA tournament seven of 11 years. Franz made it 11 of 13, something like that. Since though, you know, the first two years of uh, dealing with lick lighters mess, but that's kind of, if, if all of your eggs are in the sweet 16 basket, you're moving on from Fran. You're, if you're not, you know, the I think I was the only team to finish in the upper division of the Big Ten standings for the last five years. The only team to finish among the top six schools, I think it is, or seven uh, in the conference. But maybe that's not good enough. And I get it. If you're locked into the Sweet 16, if that is your litmus test, if that is your measuring stick, if it's Sweet 16 or bust, you're moving on from Fran. Um, If you um, are satisfied with the consistency and figure, if we keep pounding away, if we keep finishing high and getting into the NCAA tournament, high in the Big Ten standings and making the NCAA tournament, I think Iowa was, what, the fifth seed in the Big Ten standings this year? Could have been a second had it not lost to Nebraska at home the last game. Those are the games that hurt, right? But regardless, if you keep getting your, putting yourself in a position to get into the NCAA tournament and getting there, eventually you hope you break through. That's one approach. Or it's, listen, man, you've been here 13 years. You haven't made the Sweet 16. It's time for us to move on. You can be in either one of those camps. Um, I tend to be in the one where if a coach is making five NCAA tournaments in a row, uh, like Fran, he'd made four, but again, the COVID year, he would have made it. So that's five in a row that they would have, they played well enough to get in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to take that coach and hope that one year they're able to break through and get to that 16. Um that's just my approach to it, but I'm not saying your approach to moving on from a guy who hasn't made the sweet 16 is wrong. That's kind of where we were with Tom Davis, right? He wasn't good enough. Just making the tournament wasn't good enough. And that's why Tom Davis was shown the door. If you're in that same position now with Fran and you're fine with it happening and rolling the dice to see what replaces him, that's, Certainly, you're entitled to that opinion, and I can't guarantee you that whoever replaces Fran will make the the Sweet 16 or won't. We don't know, but if you're willing to make that change, if the Iowa Athletic Department and Athletic Director is willing to make that change, do we just see where the chips fall? Is the six? And this is Iowa Hawk guy again. Is the success of 
the Iowa women's program creating apathy for the men's team. Clark definitely contributes to the height, but also the women have something to look forward to. The men, men haven't had a player like Clark come in like her right away and lack of March wins, no help. Um, Kaylin Clark is a generational talent. And I, to me, I think it's unfair to say the men haven't had a player like Kaitlyn Clark because who has? Um, what other men's players in the country right now have that type of appeal and that star? There aren't many. So I would say appreciate that Iowa has one. <laughs> Just because it's on the women's program doesn't lessen it at all. And it shouldn't lessen how you feel about the men's program. Shit, the men's program had a lottery pick. They had the fourth pick in the NBA draft last year in Keegan Murray. I mean, sometimes I I get frustration, and I get, especially with the with the drought for the Sweet 16, but I think perspective and being realistic is important too. I mean, you think about what Iowa, the Iowa men have had, what, Luca Garza? Keegan Murray, Chris Murray, um, Utah, Aaron White, Devin Mar. Think about all the great players that have come through here and the success that the men's programs had. It just hasn't made the Sweet 16. But it's not like it's dog crap either. So, again, it's kind of like, you know, with the football program. You know, the football program hasn't won a Big Ten championship since 2004. You know, we're going on 20 years now. Does that mean that you should change the football coach because of that? Or are you okay with winning the West Division a couple times every decade? Um, you know, making the Big Ten Championship a couple times. Every- the men's basketball program won the Big Ten Tournament last year. I mean, it's, again, it's about perspective. And I'm not telling anybody, including you, Hawk, Iowa Hawkeye, if you want change in the pro basketball program, I'm not saying you're out to lunch. Look at what happened with Wisconsin in the football program. Paul Christ won a lot of games, and they showed him the door, and they brought in Luke Fickle. Can you do that with the basketball program or the football program here? Potentially, but that doesn't mean it's going to work. It may work. It may not work. Um, And I'm certainly not going to tell people how they should think. I'll tell them how I think. And I've kind of expressed that here. Um, I think Iowa basketball fans have it pretty good. If you look around the Big Ten and you look around the country, um, you look around at, you know, football, pretty good. Women's basketball, obviously pretty good. Wrestling, uh uh-oh, didn't win a national championship. Well, second best team in the country, still pretty good. Um, You know, it's – you can always be envious of the – the programs and the schools that have more. But when you do that, also look who's behind your ass, who's behind, who's not doing as well as you. And keep that in perspective, too. Uh, Rick Rick Acheroff? Hopefully I'm saying that, Rick. Rick Acheroff, too. DeSante Bowen has been Fran's point guard. DeSante Bowen has to be Fran's point guard option next year, right? Needs to post 34% three-point shot, but look at what guard play has done in the tourney. Um, And then Rick follows up with, Fran needs to allow for more athleticism at the risk of more turnovers. 
I'm not going to fight you on that one, Rick. Um, I'd be okay with maybe some more mistakes um, if it meant an upgrade defensively. Um, there's a trade-off there, obviously. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, does the trade-off work and translate into more success? Um I think at some point you have to kind of look at that and say, okay, this blueprint has gotten us here. We're consistently here. What can we do to get better without falling back? And that's the question I think these coaches ask themselves every off season and they have to analyze. Sometimes it's a leap of faith. Sometimes it's getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. And maybe that's what it's going to take for Fran to get out of his comfort zone a little bit. Maybe he brings in a assistant who's very defensive oriented. I don't know how much longer Sherm Dillard wants to coach. Um, you know, the other two assistants are new and young. Um, I don't know, you know, from a defensive perspective, how ver- well versed Matt Gatons and Courtney Eldridge are on teaching defense, particularly to the posts, post players. Um, but maybe that's what needs to be addressed. Maybe, you thank Sherm for his service, and I'm certainly not. Maybe Sherm is a good defensive coach, and it's the player. So I'm not saying that that's definitely the answer, but that's something to look at. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know more about basketball than Lisa and Fran or football than Kirk. They know what they need to do, and they're not always going to make the right decision. But I do think they make decisions based on wanting to win. Um, and as far as DeSante Bowen, I think that's up to DeSante, Rick. He has to play better. Um, he got in and made mistakes this year too often. Um, and that's why Josh Dix got more playing time because he was more solid. And that's what Fran looks for, as you said about the turnovers. And maybe you have to live with those a little bit more, but we saw it with Joe Toussaint. Fran is not very patient when it comes to guys that make mistakes, particularly point guards. So, um, but now Connor's gone. Fran has had that safety net of Connor being able to run the offense for these years. Now he, and he had the safety net last year of putting Jabo back there when Toussaint didn't work out. And then he had Connor and Jabo out there, low mistake guys that could run the offense. I'm not sure he has that next year with his current roster construction, you know, but we'll see, you know, Brock Harding's coming in. Um, I wouldn't completely dismiss the fact that he could get into the rotation or the pot. I shouldn't say the fact, the possibility he could get in the rotation or the other four, um, true, or the other three true freshmen that are coming in. So something to keep an eye on. And I think Iowa does something in the transfer portal too. I'm not sure what, but John Simonson at John Simonson 814 on Twitter. How many scholarships are available to Fran this offseason to pursue transfers? If he has any, how much will the collective be involved in the process? I would hope the collective will be more involved than it was last year when Iowa lost at least two big men directly related to NIL. I'm not saying Iowa would have gotten those two guys, but Iowa wasn't even in the game because it didn't have money to give to these guys that other schools did. Um, Texas Tech, 
um, was it Auburn or Tennessee? There were several guys, both high school kids and transfer portal guys that Iowa lost out on because of NIL. So is the NIL, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll check in on that sometime this spring, check in with Brad from the Swarm Collective and just get an update on where things are at with the collective. Um, where where they where they sit financially, what the resources are, what the rate of donations are. Does the athletic department need to get more involved here? We saw we heard that back at the end of the year uh, in December around the bowl game. There was some tension there uh, between uh, the the Swarm Collective and Gary Barta and the support. Does Iowa athletics need to direct more of the donations to the Swarm Collective? I don't see why it shouldn't. It's got a ton of money coming in from media rights deals. Take some more out of the pot for the athletic department and put it in the collective to make your teams more competitive. Trust your coaches to go out and get players that can help your teams compete with other teams that are doing well in the transfer portal. Uh, As far as scholarships, John... Uh, let's see, Euless, Dix, Bowen, Perkins, Sanford, Patrick, Agundale, Mulvey, Freeman, Price Sanford, Dembele, and Harding is 12. That's where we sit right now. Tuesday, March the 21st, 9.45 a.m. I haven't been on Twitter since I've been recording this, so if somebody's in the portal or came out of the portal into Iowa men's basketball program, I apologize. Did not see it. Um, but right now, 12. And you can go down the list I just read and say, well, what is it? what are the chances of X coming back? Right now, 12 scholarships have been spoken for. That leaves one. Now, you can look again at the uh, – you can rewind the podcast and go through, go through that list of guys again or just if you have it in your head and say, okay, geez, I don't know if X is coming back based on playing time, based on comfort, based on maybe somebody offering one of Iowa's better players money to come there. There's tampering all over, and it's bad in basketball. So – Again, complete hypothetical. Do not take this. This is just me. Com- uh, completely hypothetical situation. I think Tony Perkins could help Purdue or Indiana. What if one of those programs says, listen, Tony, come home. He's an Indianapolis kid. Um, you know, we'll put you on a bigger stage, better home environment, arena, better facilities, and we'll give you money. What does Iowa do? Does Iowa go to its collective and say, listen, to keep Tony, it's going to cost us this? Can the collective do that? These are the type of things that are going on now, guys, that oftentimes take it out of the coach's hands, but things, but, but situations I think we all need to be aware of because they're going to happen. The drive, the money involved in winning is so important to folks that they'll do some things that they probably know are not ethically or morally right, but may be within the rules to do that. And what, at least in their mind, take necessary steps to increase the probability that they win. So 
We'll see. That's a good question, John. Um, I'm glad you asked that because I was wondering. I was about I meant to count up the scholarship numbers and see where Iowa was at, but you know, um with one scholarship open now, um I think there's a chance there there will be some more. But again, I don't want to speculate on who is going to be here and who isn't going to be here without anything other than rumors and speculation swirling out there. Because again, I think those rumors and speculations, they take on a life of their own when people start trying to, in their head, create scenarios that they want, which is... We want X, we want this guy out of the transfer portal and we want this guy to move on from our program. And, you know, again, the desire to win sometimes creates irrational thoughts. Just keep that in mind. All right. Let's finish up. Jesse Lucier. He's, he's the MVP of this podcast. He's had the most questions. He's stepping in for, uh, Drake Timbers, who is absent today. I hope Drake, hey, we need a well check on Drake Timbers. Anybody out there that's seen Drake, please check in. You know Drake. Hopefully he's okay and we can hear from him on, on next week's mailbag. Uh, Jesse, I enjoy $15 tickets to a weekend game against a top ranked team, but man, do you think women's basketball tickets will go up in the price next year? I wouldn't mind if the men's and women prices were flipped if the men don't get any big names in the portal this year. I don't think that will happen yet but I could certainly see the women's tickets going up. Um, You think about, and again, it's the NCAA tournament. So again, perspective um, is important here, but to sell out that arena and it granted, some of those tickets were already spoken for with season ticket holders, groups, things like that. But you sell out a game in less than an hour. um, That's impressive. And Iowa had a lot of other, as the season went on, High attendance. There's going to be very high. There are going to be very high expectations for this team next year with Caitlin and Gabby and Kate um, coming back. And then, you know, Hannah's back and a lot of other uh, talented kids are coming back too. Um, so yeah, the, the, it's, it's all about supply and demand, right? Uh, and if Iowa thinks it can raise the tickets a couple bucks. Um, it'll do it because overall it's adding that up and saying this is more money. And it was, it was, I thought it was great. Lisa took the mic after the win the other day on the court and I'm looking at her and I'm going, she's going to say something about tickets. (laughs) She thanked everybody for being there, which I thought was very nice and appreciative and said that they had a huge uh, impact on that game. And I was there. It did that. The place was as loud as I've ever heard it. And that includes Iowa, Penn state wrestling, some really high end men's basketball games that have been played there where it's been loud, but the, the, none of those, the other day did not take a backseat to any of those. It was right there at the loudest Carver can get. And Lisa said, you know, season tickets for next sale or uh, next season are on sale. She was already promoting next season, season tickets because that was the last home game and they want to continue this and they should. And if I think people would be willing to pay a few more bucks to watch this team play. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if those tickets go up a little bit and uh, hopefully they get some good home games in the non-conference. Cause you look at next year, they play at Iowa state. So they don't have that home game. Uh, I think Drake is here next year and I was at UNI. Is that right? I don't remember. If how that works. But anyway, 
Um, I would would not be surprised, Jesse, to see uh, the tickets go up. I would be surprised to see the men's tickets go up, um, but I would not be surprised to see the women's tickets go up. And maybe wrestling gets a bump as well because uh, they're selling out, and that's usually what leads uh, to programs uh, asking for more money. So we will leave it at that, folks. That's everything in the queue again. Uh, hashtag HF mail anytime between now and the next time I record, which will be next Tuesday, March the 28th. Uh, send them my way questions or comments. Hashtag HF mail. I appreciate everybody who sent in questions and comments today. Uh, it makes the podcast work. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Appreciate them allowing us to bring you the podcast for free. Uh, you don't always get that. Some are Patreon and behind paywalls. Ours are free, uh, so subscribe. Have them downloaded right to your feed. As soon as a new podcast drops from Hawk Fanatic, it'll be in your feed. Most weeks, Monday through Friday, we have a fresh Hawk-centric podcast on your feed. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is the flagship with Pat Hardy and the guys from KCJJ. Tuesdays, the Mailbag Podcast. Thursdays, Scott Docterman and I from The Athletic. Um Scott Documents from The Athletic, not me, get together for the Hotspot Podcast. We stream that live usually around 9 o'clock Central Time on Thursday mornings. Come in and join us on that. You can get in the chat room. Sometimes we answer questions on that, but just a rundown. So if you could hit like and subscribe to our podcast, we'd really appreciate the support. Um, and it, and if you could uh, check out our sponsors as well when, when able, uh, we would appreciate that too. So Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of your week. We will talk to you a week from today. Until then, peace.